Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. God takes a situation, a circumstance, maybe a people, and you feel a heart for them, and you wonder how you're going to be able to use your gifts, your time, your talents, your resources for them. See, God can use any one of us at any time if we surrender and if we're available. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about another life-changing prayer. We, we, We talked about, Lord, search me. We talked about See if there's any offensive way in me. We talked about, Lord God, break me. We said, Lord God, would you speak to me? We said, Lord God, would you, would you let me serve you? We said, Lord God, would you break my heart with what breaks yours? And today, I want us to think about the prayer of availability. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. Send me. Now, every week, our church receives prayer requests. You guys are really good at filling out your communication slip and writing down the names of people who need prayer. Maybe somebody going into surgery, heal my grandma, give me a better job, right? Make me more attractive. Come on, you know, make me more handsome. And that's good. By the way, we take those prayer requests and we send them out to our prayer team. We call it our digital prayer team. People that have signed up to be a part of a prayer team, unless they're confidential, then we don't send them out. But we send them out to people that can pray then for your prayer needs. And I want to thank you for putting those down. We take those seriously. Our staff gets a copy of that list that Trisha puts together. But I want to tell you that I don't get a lot of prayer requests that say, I'm trying to win my neighbor to Christ. I'm trying to talk to my boss about Jesus. Uh, There's someone at work that is sick, and I want to get the courage to go and pray for them. Or I have a classmate at school, and God's been putting them on my heart. Please join me in praying for their salvation. Now, again, I'm not scolding you with that. I'm just wondering if we could begin to pray these life-changing prayers that aren't only, Lord, I've got an issue, help me, but I want to be used by you. And if you listened carefully, I was praying over each child that God would have them for his exclusive use, that God would use them for his glory and for his honor. Now, here's what happens, and I call these the responses to the call of God. And you can get your notes out. The first one is a guy named Jonah. How many remember Jonah? And Jonah says, here I am, Lord. I'm not going. (laughs) I'm not the one. You know, we pick up his story in uh, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And God spoke and said, listen, go. He didn't say stay. He didn't say wait. He didn't say pray about it. He didn't say get in a prayer huddle with people. He gives him a command, go. It's a big, fat, green light. Hit the accelerator, Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah, would you read what it says? Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now let me show you a quick map here. Jonah was in a place called Joppa. Now he could go up the coast past, let's see, uh, Golita. See it there? Golita. Refugio, 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 and he could go by El Cap, and he could come, you know, past the 
Halama Chernoff and go all the way to Nineveh called Lompoc there. See it? Yeah. Instead, he goes to Tarshish. Do you know that Tarshish was the farthest point known to humanity at that time? They'd sent kind of like a Christopher Columbus guy out and said, come back and report. Tell us what's the farthest port. And they went all the way across the Mediterranean Sea to this place in, in Spain called Tarshish. And here's what they said. That's the end of the earth. So listen, Jonah went as far from God's purpose as he could. He ran away geographically as far as he could away from what God wanted him to do. Years ago in my first church, I was about 25 years old, and our church at that time had about 125 people in it or so, which was pretty good. I started with 31, so I was pretty proud of myself. In three years, we had, you know, I don't know, quadrupled or whatever. It was, it was just, it was great. And this guy came to church, and he was riding a Harley. I mean, a big old Harley, fat boy Harley, with those monkey ape hanger bars the kind that are, I mean, way up here. And he had straight pipes, no mufflers, no baffles, just, you know. Uh, I, I think I have a friend who used to be in the Harleys, and he said, just say potato, 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 and that'll be the Harley. Potato, 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 potato. And there he would, he pulled in the church. He had a leather vest. He had boots on. He's six foot four, minimum, maybe six foot five. He has sleeveless t-shirt and tattoos everywhere. And this is a long time ago. Tattoos weren't as popular back then as they are today, but he had tats everywhere. And he gets off the bike. I'm standing there greeting people in the morning. And I said, hey, good morning. He, just, he had a toothpick in his mouth. That was his greeting to me. And I'm preaching, and he sits in the second row right about here. And the whole time I'm preaching, I'm saying, Lord, let him not get up and like attack me. I mean, the spirit of fear, just seeing this dude, you know. Well, later that week, I'm fast forwarding. It was a hot day. And I went to my favorite Save-On drugstore, kind of like Thrifties, where you could get ice cream. And I'm dating myself here. It wasn't a scoop. It was a little cylinder. And they pushed it down in, and they pressed it in my cone. Five cents for one, 10 cents for two. Hallelujah. <laughs> They should bring that revival back, don't you think? I mean, it was great. Thrifties on 8th Street when I came to town. It was the same way. It was so great. Long gone. Sorry, sorry. If you weren't here, you missed it. But. And I see the dude in front of the Savons, and he's standing there. Uh, he had just gotten off his Harley, put the kickstand down. He comes walking over, same toothpick that he had the last Sunday, still in his mouth. It's all frayed, you know. And there he is with tattoos, and he looks over at me. And the whisper of the Lord said, talk to him about me. I thought, wow. And there I was, hot, 98 degrees. I'm licking on my chocolate mint. Now, I better not say that in the next service. They'll all run out the door and try to go get some 31 flavors or yogurt creation. But there I was, licking on my... And you know what I did? I went the other way. I was afraid to speak to this man... And every once in a while, when I remember the story, as I wrote it even for this message, I said, God, I don't know where he is, but I regret that I missed him that day, and I repent that I didn't respond to your whisper. Lord, I pray that by now someone else 
full of the Holy Spirit, has encountered this man, and he's come to Jesus. See, the Lord was trying in that moment, 25-year-old pastor, to try to build my faith and to build my courage, and I missed the moment, and I still have regret. I still repent over that, and some of you might send me an email and say, well, the Lord will forgive you. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe that too, but I missed an opportunity. Wouldn't it have been great if I could tell you the story, and I saw him in front of Savon's, and I asked him to take the toothpick out of his mouth, and I gave him the gospel, and he knelt down by his Harley and gave his life to Jesus and got a new tattoo, Jesus saved, on his arm. I can't tell you that story because I didn't follow the will of God in the moment. I would just ask you, when has that happened to you? Maybe not with a tattooed Harley rider, but where have you heard the voice of the Lord and you said, here I am, I'm not going. The second one I want to talk about is Moses. Moses says, here I am, send somebody else. You got the wrong guy. You ever said that to the Lord? You're calling the wrong person. Or the pastor standing up here giving you a message or someone else is speaking to you about getting involved or Melissa did this masterful job last week about getting involved with the kids. It was kind of a soft sell, but all those kids were up here, you know, and you applauded them. You were so great. Thank you. And maybe some of you felt a tug to serve in our kids' ministries. And you've already pushed that aside. Now, I'm not trying to guilt anyone, but I wonder how many times we feel a nudge, a whisper, an interruption from God, and we look in God's face and say, God, I'm not the right person. I live in the land of not enough. I don't have enough. I'll never have enough. I don't know enough. But in Exodus 3, verse 10 and 11, he says, here's this word again, so now what? Go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who am I? Let me paraphrase. You've got the wrong guy. Listen, if God calls you, never question who you are. Rely on who he is. Not your inability, but his ability. That God can do anything. See, when we go to the end of our natural ability, then God kicks in with his supernatural ability. If God says go, you just start going. And eventually he'll show you the way, or eventually he'll speak to you exactly what he wants you to do. And here's what he says, who am I that I should go? In other words, I don't have what it's going to take. And he was looking in the natural. He was realizing he had a stuttering problem. He was feeling that he didn't know enough or have enough. But you know what God did with him? He used him to set the Israelites free and to write the first five books, the Pentateuch, the first five books in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses is the one that penned those. Moses is the guy who went up and got the Ten Commandments. Moses is the one who had an encounter with the burning bush. God really had Moses dialed in and said, don't you dare say, here I am, send someone else. The third thing is Isaiah. And I love Isaiah. Chapter 6, that's where we're going to camp for this rest of our time. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah said, here I am, what? Send me. I'm your guy, Lord. Here I am, send me. Isaiah says in verse uh, 8 of 6, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? What a great question. I think God is still asking that question, don't you? Here I am. Who will I send? Who will go for me? Who will impact Lompoc like never before? Who will impact Vandenberg Air Force Base like never before? Who will impact Santa Barbara County? Listen, here's what I know about where we live. People are broken. People are hurting. 
People are still dealing with the crimes in our town and the young lady, 17 years old, who lost her life because of gang violence. People are broken. Who can we become the peace of God, the heart of God, the extension of God to help each other? I want to just uh, give you some prayers that I've been praying lately. It might help you, and it's uh, on the screen. God, I embrace this day as your gift to me. I give you my mind. I give you my eyes. I give you my mouth. May I say what you want me to say. May I hear only your truth today and have the wisdom to reject that which is not true. Here are my hands, God. May they be used to build your kingdom. Here are my feet, God. Lead me to where you want me to go. Help me to do what you want me to do. God, here I am. Send me. And I would venture a guess that every one of us knows at least one person who's far away from the Lord, who's hurting, who's desperate to be changed. In the third service at New Life Church in Oxnard last week, I, I gave an invitation for people to come to Christ at the end of the message. The church was packed, about 1,400 seats in that service. I mean, that was just, it was wall-to-wall people. And right over here, a young man raised his hand to come to Christ. And here's what I said. Hey, I'm the guest speaker. You know, I got a lot of hype and building you up. Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure you're coming to Jesus? This is my day. That's what he was saying. So I brought him to the platform. You should have seen the security guys. They were like, you know, somebody's coming to the platform. And I brought him to the platform. First of all, I had no fear. What if I asked him to come forward and he didn't? I had no fear. Then he stood next to me, and his name was Jerry. And I said, Jerry, here's what the Lord wants you to know. <gasps> I stepped out in faith. And I said, Jerry, you have friends. I, the Lord is saving you, but he's saving you not just to save you. He's saving you so you could save your friends. The church was like electric. Yeah, that's great. And then I stepped out. Oh my gosh, did I step out? I didn't realize I was stepping out till later because I didn't calculate any of this. I didn't let my, my, my emotions or my fear get in the way. I just looked at Jerry and I said, Jerry, you have a friend that you've been praying to God for that you will be able to save his life. You have a friend that's running far away from God and you know if he doesn't change his life, he's gonna die. Now, either I'm a false prophet and they're gonna stone me at the city gates or people are going to say, amen. And Jerry looked up with tears in his eyes. And he said, yeah, I got a friend just like that. And I thought, wow, Lord, thank you so much. And the whole church, 1,400 pairs of hands pressed towards Jerry and said, God, use him. Use him. That was his third Sunday to be in that church. And they, they're on him. They're on Jerry. The prayer team's on Jerry. The pastoral staff's on Jerry. And they're going to help Jerry have the tools to bring his friend to Christ. Now, why do I say that? Hey, Jerry is uh, 90 seconds old in the Lord. He just gave his life to Christ right over here. He confessed with his lips, Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again. He believed in his heart. And I'm not telling you that story to say, well, our pastor was prophetic. I was. But God so orchestrated the heavens and the earth for his will to be done in Jerry. Listen, I'm just a simple pastor. I'm not that well-educated. 
I'm not that smart, but I knew in that moment that God wanted to use me to speak to Jerry. And see, let me just tell you a secret. I did not want to have a repeat of the biker dude happen in my life. Of course, thank you, God, to do it in front of 1,400 people and people watching online. I mean, there was a lot of people watching me do it. At Savon's that day when I'm licking the cone, there was nobody watching me. And it was that little whisper of the Lord. See, I'm no different than you. I just had a moment where I said, all that week before I went to that church, God, use me somehow to encourage people. Use me somehow to bring people to Christ. Use me somehow where people's dreams are shattered. See, we have to give God permission to interrupt us, to change our agendas. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. That's where life gets exciting. If you want me to serve our children or join our youth team, if you want me, God, to, to, to join the maintenance team, if you want me, God, to serve in my local school, if you want me, God, to find a group of guys on the Air Force Base where we can do devotions together, God, if you want me to help, if you want me to be a foster parent, God, if you want me to adopt a child, God, I mean, just go radical with the Lord. Say, God, there are no limits. See, I don't want to be a pastor where God has to say, uh, Bernie, there you are, but I'm going to find someone else. And I don't want our church to be a church that never says, Lord, here we are. Send us. Use us. Is that okay? Use us, God. Now, if you're just a spectator, you're going to say, ah, that's good. When's he done? But if you want to participate in the kingdom, let that resonate in your soul. God wants to use us. This is a life-changing prayer, and it may not be for everyone. Maybe you're not at a place where you can yet say, here I am, send me. Here I am, surrendered to God. What do you need to be fully surrendered to God? The first thing is you need a genuine experience with the presence of God. Not just some teaching that I give you, but in times where we worship together like this morning or in times where you stop and just pause and say, God, I need your presence. After those four services last week, I was racing back to get to Team LFC on Sunday night. And I felt prompted to pull over where it was safe to do so and just look at the ocean. And it was almost like, you know, I, I gave all this stuff out for four services. I had a really busy week and, and I just stopped for a moment and smelled the salt air. Some of you don't like salt air, but I, in that moment, I loved the salt air. It was just great. And the ocean was gorgeous last Sunday. And there were birds flying. I could see some boats out there. And I just said to the Lord, with my window down, I said, God, you made all that. And you made me. What can't you do? And I just felt the Lord refill my heart and transform me in that moment because let me just tell you this. There is nothing as great as being in the presence of God. As we read his word, and it comes from there to here and then to now, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. I mean, corporate worship is great, coming together and singing songs and clapping. But when you are alone with God, when, when, when you live in a place where you're alone with him, there's something dynamic that happens. It transforms us. And Isaiah had a genuine experience of the presence of God. Verse 1, in the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He was in the presence of God. And later in that chapter, we find out that the seraphim 
We're flying around. He gets, he gets transported into a heavenly worship service. And he hears the angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I mean, this is a vision that he's having that just rocks his world. And then as he's being transformed by this incredible vision, we see that, number two, there's a genuine awareness of his sinfulness. When you see the holy God and you have an encounter with him, there's going to be a little bit of, well, a little bit of conviction because we're not perfect and we're not pure. Only he is. I think there's an epidemic today in our culture, and here it is. Everybody's a good person. Oh, that's Susie. She's a good person. No, she's not. I said that one time recently, and some lady sent me an email. How dare you say people aren't good? We're not good. No one is righteous. No, not one. We are made righteous by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus, by believing in the cross and his resurrection. And somebody says, well, we've heard that before. No, that is our life. Our life is transformed. And I've got to give you this great uh, statement. And if you're a linguist or an English major, please forgive me because I'm making up a word here. Isaiah saw the goodness of God and he realized the badness of himself. And here's part of what he says in verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. He encounters the purity of God and recognizes his own impurity. He encounters the holiness of God and recognizes that he is not holy. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. Another version of the Bible says, I'm done. I am nothing. Another version says, I'm a pathetic man. I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer you. And God comes and says, yes, you do. Because the third thing I want you to see is, and it's Isaiah's revelation, is a genuine understanding of God's grace. You know one of my favorite verses in the Bible is about Jesus, John 1, 14. And John 1, 14 says, the word became flesh, that's Jesus coming to earth, and made his dwelling among us, with us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. See, some people want just grace. Give me grace. Give me greasy grace. That's all I want, grace. 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 Well, grace doesn't mean anything to us until we've had the truth. The truth is we're sinners in need of a Savior. That's the truth. Then we come over here and we receive his grace. That's greater than all of our sin. So some people just want to go around doing the truth. I'm telling you the truth. You're out of line. You're a sinner. You're a dirty, rotten sinner. You're going to hell. Turn or burn. The truth, the truth, the truth. No, 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 no. By the way, that is not effective in evangelism. Let me just tell you, I've, I've, I've learned it. I've seen it firsthand. The truth is we are all sinners. The grace part is we have a Savior. The truth is we don't feel loved at times, but we have a God of grace who loves us with an everlasting love. The truth is we're not all that special on our own, but God's grace wants to fill us supernaturally so we can do things that we could never do on our own. All the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit in operation because of grace and because of truth. And something happens to Isaiah. He has this vision in verse 6 and 7 
of Isaiah 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. Now, this is not a Kingsford briquette, right? But the angel, the seraphim, flies to him with a live coal. In other words, it's on fire, which he's taken from the tongs from the altar. And when he touched it to my mouth. Now, what was Isaiah saying? I'm a man of unclean lips. Watch this. This is the vision he has of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and does what? Touches him with grace at his point of confession. He's confessing, I'm a man of unclean lips. And what does the angel do? He takes the tongs off the altar and touches it in this vision onto Isaiah's lips so Isaiah could have grace. The truth is, I'm unclean. The grace of God is, I'll clean you. You you see that? The truth of God is, is, I have guilt and shame in my life. But the grace of God says, I've come to remove all of your guilt and shame. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'll take care of that, says the Lord. And by the way, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. Is anyone glad about that? Your sins are atoned for. So if you are dealing with guilt and shame, confess it with your mouth to the Lord. Say, Lord, I have guilt and shame of what I did back in, you could tell them the day or the year. Back in college, Lord, I did this. Oh, last week, Lord, I said that. Lord, I'm unclean. Would you clean me? Would you forgive me? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to the Lord, he's just enabled to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there's something I want to tell you quickly about this, this, this altar. This altar was where they sacrificed the blood of the lamb for their sins. And the blood would drip out of the animal. Don't want to be gross here. And of course, when it would hit the heat, it would coagulate together. But no doubt the coal that is in the vision of Isaiah, and I may be inferring here, so please forgive me, no doubt the coal that was placed in the tongs that was put on the lips of Isaiah had blood on it. And it's beautiful symbolism of the altar of God back in Isaiah chapter 6 and the Christ who is to come would be the ultimate sacrifice who would take away the sins of the world. That here is a man now who's under the grace of God and he is cleansed. Ephesians 1.7, even if you don't agree with my analogy, we're going to go to this verse and we have to agree with this verse. This is God's word. In him we have redemption. Let's read it. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, not just truth that we need redemption, but listen, the riches of God's grace. See, when you understand the grace of God, it transforms everything. It takes away our judgment of people. It removes prejudice. It it removes distance between us and people that we don't understand. Here I am, God. Send me. Here I am, God. It's not my life. Here I am, God. It's not my desires. Here I am, God. I am yours anywhere, anytime, for anything. Here I am, God. I'm going to challenge you. I mean, again, if you want to pray a life-changing prayer, to pray this kind of prayer. Lord, here I am. Guy told me a few weeks ago, I was really happy. He was a nice guy. Stopped me in the parking lot after service. I was greeting people. And he said, Pastor, that was a great sermon today. 
I really appreciate your enthusiasm and you were highly caffeinated today. That was great, you know. And then he said this, no joke. They needed to hear it. And I looked down and I saw his Bible. By the way, his Bible looked new, but it was old. And I saw his notes. He had not taken any. He had no spiral notebook like some of you do. He didn't fill in any blank. They needed to hear that. And as he walked away, I said, Lord, that's really good that he's determined what everyone else needs to hear. But what does he need to hear? Hey, can I ask you the question? What do you need to hear? Well, I believe you need to hear this. God wants to use you. And he's waiting for you to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Anywhere, anything, any place. I have a friend that worked for uh, JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratories. He just recently retired. He's a part of Tommy Walker's church. And he said to me, uh, God whispered to me in the night, and he told me to go to my pastor and tell him that I want to work on the staff at the church. He goes, man, that's a far cry from being an engineer at JPL. But I heard the voice. Now he works on their staff. By the way, he's got retirement. Works for free. If there's anyone here. <laughs> My friend Wayne Cordero over in Hawaii, he's got three or four people. They work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. All he does is pay them health benefits. That's it. The former fire chief of the city of Honolulu is on his staff and one of his elders, because he one day said, here I am, send me. Then he walked down the hallway, and guess who he met? Pastor Wayne. <laughs> and he said, hey, Ken, what are you hearing from the Lord? I'm, I'm, I'm just giving myself to Jesus. Good, I got stuff for you to do. <laughs> and he put him in, he's so fulfilled now in all of that. Hey, that could be your story. Or maybe God's gonna call you, I hate to say this, to move somewhere. Here I am, Lord, send me. Oh, I want to send you to Ohio. I don't want to be there now. But anyway, I want to send you to Kentucky. I want to send you to go uh, help plant a church. Or I want to send you to Los Angeles. We have a brand new Foursquare church that just started in South Central LA. The young man, I mean, this guy's a hipster. He looks cool. He's got the beard. He's got the skinny jeans, no socks. I mean, this guy, he's just cool. And God spoke to him to plant a church. And he didn't want to go to a, a thriving place or a, a city that's busting at the seams. God said, South Central L.A. He's a Hispanic dude, and he's in South Central L.A. The church is less than a year old. They already have 400 people gathering together in worship because he listened to the voice of the Lord. I spent some time with him this week at our Bible college in San Dimas. Just story after story after story. Fill your heart with those stories. Find out what people are doing as they surrender to God and ask the Lord, Lord, give me a dream. Interrupt me. Galatians 2.20, as we get ready to finish and pray, I'd like you to read this. Maybe this would be your life verse for this week. Can we read it together? I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not my life. 
You guys remember that old song? It's my life and I'll do what I want. That is just against the Bible. It's not your life. You belong to the Lord. You've been bought by Jesus. And if you haven't been given your life to him yet, why are you waiting? Give him your life. Give him your pink slip. Give him the deed to your soul. Lord, I belong to you for your exclusive use. Use me any way you see fit. And I dare you to let this verse become a prayer. God, I no longer live, but you live in me. There are people in this county that desperately need to see an authentic representation of Jesus Christ living in us. You live in me, use me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, I'm going to be courageous in my faith, not living by fear, but love and power and a sound mind. Because you love me and gave yourself for me, the least I can do is say, here I am, Lord. Send me. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.